Go Law Enforcement. Go Law Enforcement. Go Law Enforcement. Go Law Enforcement. The podcast that makes your law enforcement dreams happen. Welcome to the Go Law Enforcement podcast, brought to you by GoLawEnforcement.com. I'm your host, Joe Lebowski. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, GoLawEnforcement.com features the largest listing of law enforcement job openings. Check out GoLawEnforcement.com. The U.S. Department of State Diplomatic Security Service protects State Department employees, facilities, and U.S. citizens around the world. They also investigate U.S. passport and visa fraud, as well as provide dignitary protection. In this episode of the Go Law Enforcement Podcast, Diplomatic Security Service Assistant Special Agent in Charge Nicholas Porter discusses partnering with host nation security counterparts and working with the U.S. military. My name is Nick Porter, and I'm a special agent with the Diplomatic Security Service. I'm currently located in Houston, Texas, and my title right now is Assistant Special Agent in Charge of our Houston Field Office, which has responsibilities for the states of Texas, Oklahoma, and all of New Mexico. I went to Florida State University trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I ultimately settled on a criminology major and watching Discovery Channel one day with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, I saw an episode on Discovery Channel regarding the Diplomatic Security Service. And I said, wow, that's pretty cool. They're federal law enforcement and they serve around the world. And at the time, my girlfriend said, hey, shut up and help me out with my homework here. Little did she know that pretty soon thereafter would be a unique timeframe in the world for the United States with September 11th. And I actually had the opportunity to apply and, and got right into it. The career path with Diplomatic Security Service for me has been a lot of time spent overseas. So as a special agent, I am in the Foreign Service. We are considered specialists, Foreign Service specialists. And I started off domestically in our Boston field office where we do visa and passport fraud investigations. And then we also do dignitary protection. So we protect the the Secretary of State and foreign visiting dignitaries. But then after that, it was off to the races with the overseas assignment. I went to Dhaka, Bangladesh, where in, in my capacity, we're called regional security officers. So I was the assistant regional security officer there. And that simply means that we have the gambit of security and law enforcement responsibilities at that U.S. embassy and responsibility to support that U.S. ambassador overseas in protection of our employees, facilities, and U.S. citizens. So really incredible opportunity there. I went to Bandar Seri Begawan. Brunei, which uh, you need a map to find sometimes. That's what I did when I first heard of the place. But it was an incredible opportunity to be a regional security officer, to actually be the boss for a smaller embassy when it comes to security and, and manage all those uh, physical security programs. Then I jumped back to the States after that and uh, went to our Office of Mobile Security Deployments, which is like a SWAT team on steroids, essentially, because we train on all different types of tactics, weaponry. We become instructors in everything. And the reason we do that is because we're going overseas to high threat locations. We're protecting high threat dignitaries. So that was a real incredible opportunity to gain those uh, tactical skills uh, above and beyond what we already get as agents. From there, I went to Baghdad, became the regional security officer in Muscat, Oman. And that was a real, real interesting time because that was right after 
Benghazi happened. So there was a lot, a lot of scrutiny regarding what our security programs were, how we were protecting our people, and how we were engaging our host nation counterparts to protect U.S. assets. From there, I I came here to Texas, where I'm an assistant uh, special agent in charge of the Houston field office. And, And what that simply means is I see myself as an enabler for our units that are doing criminal investigations, dignitary protection, foreign mission liaison, and any other missions that the diplomatic security service calls upon. I'm here to be the enabler for them to make sure they have the resources, the personnel, and, and the right information in order to do their jobs correctly. I spent a lot of time in Peshawar, Pakistan. When we go overseas, we call it TDY, temporary duty. During the time when I was assigned to the Office of Mobile Security Deployments, the largest challenge that our our department faced, I should say Diplomatic Security Service faced when it comes to acute threat reporting was in Pakistan and it was in Peshawar, Pakistan at our consulate there. I was there, which was April of 2010, when the consulate was attacked. I was not at the consulate, but I was at the housing compound with my team. And uh, within 10 minutes, three large uh, car bombs detonated in front of our facility. We did have some guards that lost their life, but because of the measures we had in place, we were able to thwart the attackers from making their way inside the compound, which they came very close, but luckily it was not successful from their end. So really, really incredible work. When you see that pay off, even though if you're saying you weren't scared, then I think that you're probably in the wrong line of business because being a little bit afraid like I was, you own your senses and you make sure you do everything as best as possible. Oftentimes, the military is there to assist the Department of State in whether that's something that's happening acutely at a U.S. diplomatic facility overseas or affecting U.S. citizens in general in a particular region or country. We have tremendous capabilities to partner with host nation security counterparts and pair them with the U.S. military counterparts that would be appropriate in order to do joint training, joint planning, and joint exercises. And what that does is that builds capacity both on the U.S. military side as well as our host nation side. It creates shared understanding of where each entity's limitations might be. And it, in general, allows us to exercise our contingency plans and see, well, this will work, this won't work, and and revise them because things are constantly changing. So just because you have a plan that you drafted last year doesn't mean when you open it up right now that everything in there is still valid. So you have to validate it. You have to constantly go through that cycle of evaluating it, testing it, stress testing it, and then making those adjustments to it. So I've been lucky to have been a part of a lot of exercises. I did a lot of that during my time as a regional security officer in Muscat, Oman. When I say host nation, that would be whatever embassy we're at, the local government and whoever their security and law enforcement representatives might be for that. So one of the ones that really comes to mind was an exercise we did with the U.S. Navy SEALs. They were based nearby in another country, and we were able to work with the Royal Oman Police's special task force in order to do some joint maneuvers and skills building that led up to a full insertion by three U.S. military Black Hawk helicopters into 
the courtyard of the U.S. Embassy there in Muscat, Oman, where we partitioned off a portion of the embassy before it opened for them to engage with some role-playing bad guys. So some of my volunteers from the embassy took on that role, and we were able to fast rope the, this joint team of Omani police and the U.S. Navy SEALs into the courtyard and engage these bad guys and really hit all those different types of, of great things that we wanted to do, which is how do you work jointly together? How do you communicate? How do you distinguish friend from foe? And, and everything that leads up to that. So that was one of those uh, exercises that it had been the first time that I was aware of that uh, we actually, during an exercise, this type of arrangement where we had these real great personnel fast rope into the courtyard and let them into an actual working U.S. embassy in order to play out a scenario in front of a, a host of national security figures from both Oman and the U.S. military. In late 2013, there was a time frame where there was a tremendous amount of threat reporting that occurred, which actually closed around 20 to 30 U.S. embassies in the region. And that was due to the Al-Qaeda and the Arabian Peninsula's threat reporting. So we got told to uh, to close the embassy. And that was the, the same day I had a, a company of Marines, which is roughly two dozen Marines coming in from the Marine Expeditionary Units to train with us. And the funny thing was that I was on the phone with our headquarters because there was a lot of communication happening back and forth. And they said, do you think you want to call off this exercise with these Marines? And I was like, well, listen, there's heightened threat reporting right now. They're not coming with rubber guns. So I actually think we should continue with this exercise because if need be, I'm in the best possible scenario I can actually have <laughs> to have these hard-charging, capable Marines already on my compounds. About an hour later, I got a call and said, yeah, you should really continue on with that. My timing was impeccable, but it was in no way foreshadowing that we would have the embassy closed during that time frame. So we were already scheduling a joint engagement between those Marines coming from the, the Marine Expeditionary Unit with our Marine security guards that live and work there at the embassy in Muscat. I think one of the things that's very unique for us when we talk about our engagement with the military is that we are the only civilians as regional security officers overseas that are operationally in charge of a U.S. military detachment. So for our Marine security guards overseas, we have OPCON, which is operational control over what they do and how they do it within the parameters set forth between the Department of State and the Marine Corps, whereas the attachment commander there has ADCON, administrative control over those Marines. The regional security officer on the ground is the one to lead an incident like a worst case scenario, an attack on one of our diplomatic facilities. That regional security officer, that special agent with the diplomatic security service is the one that is going to lead their teams of security professionals, including the Marine security guards or or any of the other security professionals working there in whatever that response is that's already been thought about, it's already been planned, it's already been exercised. So they're the ones that are going to lead that entire conglomerate in support of the safety and security of the facility. One of my best protection stories was my first assignment in Boston, and we had the Crown Prince of Thailand, and he wanted to go to Killington, Vermont, in order to go skiing. And so I was the lead advance 
So what that simply means is I traveled up, I drove up from Boston to, to Killington, Vermont, worked with the police, worked with the, the ski resort and worked with his planning staff in order to prepare for his arrival. He got there and we needed people that knew how to ski because we do what we call a diamond around the protectee. Well, this is a skiing diamond. So we actually had to work with the, the ski patrol and we actually had to provide that, that 360 degree protection while the crown prince was skiing. So that's something you don't train for, but we figured it out real quickly. And those that could ski, they came with us. Those that couldn't, they stayed in our command post. And I tell you what, I haven't had a protection detail like that since then. So it's one of those things that really stands out in my mind is like, wow, am I really getting paid to go skiing at a wonderful ski resort with the crown prince of Thailand in front of me as I worked? It was just one of those moments that I had in my first year, year and a half of this career saying, wow, where am I? What am I doing? I can't believe this is happening. I think I peaked then for my protection side of the house, having a real unique protection detail. I haven't been skiing since. You never know what the career is going to ask of you, and the career asks a lot. It's not just a career. Being in the foreign service is a lifestyle. I think those that might have that interest at heart are really going to enjoy it. And those that are just looking to have that typical nine-to-five job, well, this is definitely not it because you just never know what the career is going to throw at you. If you're looking for a job in law enforcement, check out the largest listing of law enforcement jobs on golawenforcement.com. Thanks for listening.